Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat, man. And today I'm excited because I've been wanting to have Brad on here for a while. I've known him since I think 2019, 2018, somewhere around there. Super awesome guy, has a lot of cool things. So real quick, Brad is the CEO and the principal broker of Kentuckiana Mortgage Group. And I'll let you do the rest of the intro, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, thanks, Luke. You know, from the Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Indiana kind of metro market, pretty local, small broker shop. We got 16 people on the team, including myself, you know, just doing the broker thing and getting some loans closed. Been in the business for getting close on 15 years now in finance, focused on mortgages starting in 2010 solely. So got a little bit of experience. Yeah. You know a thing or two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I know you guys have been doing this brokerage since 2018, and I think you said last year about a thousand. You said a thousand and two transactions, I believe, was the uh, exact number, which is pretty impressive for a brokerage that started in 2018, right? So, before we kind of get into you know what sort of fueled that growth, tell us a little bit about kind of your background. You know, obviously the elephant in the room as well, as we kind of mentioned before, you know, in regards to being a survivor and things like that as well. So I'd love to kind of touch on some of those things before we kind of get into, you know, what has propelled that growth over the last few years. Yeah, for sure. So I was in the finance industry kind of going along and doing my thing and with a bank, working in a branch for Chase Bank, honestly. And then in 2008, I was diagnosed with cancer and given six months to live at that time. So kind of changed my whole outlook on life and how I approach everything day to day pretty drastically. So I guess before that, I was a little apprehensive to jump all into mortgages and a full 100% commission position. But after that, decided, you know what, if I'm going to make something and really change my life, I've got to go all in on something that has the potential to grow and be big. And it turned out to be a really good decision. Stayed in, you know, I was on the retail side for quite a while. Did a little correspondent net brain stuff for a couple of years. Been a full-time 100% broker for six years now. Starting Kentucky in a mortgage group, like you said, in 2018. Closed our first deal in the first week of November of 2018. So we're almost a four years since closing our very first deal. Man, love that. That's a crazy story, man. I know obviously that like, we've talked about this before, but obviously being a cancer survivor, I mean, you said, hey, it's changed the way you approach life, like, but kind of gets specific as to like, what does that like kind of give you? I know you celebrate every year, like your second birthday type of thing too, right? Which is pretty cool. But I mean, kind of touch on that a little bit. Like, what does that kind of look like in terms of like, how does it change the outlook of what you do and how you do it? You know, after that, I started approaching the day-to-day differently. And so when I went all into mortgages, it was, okay, what can I do to be different or how can I really change how things are done? And so I spent the first couple of years really in front of real estate agents as much as I possibly could. Coffee, lunch, happy hour, whatever it was, I wanted everybody in our market to know my name. And so that became my goal. And so I would get up about 5 a.m., hit the office 5.30, 5.45, get all my loan stuff I needed to be done for the day with, 
by the time, mm-hmm. you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock rolls around. And then I had the rest of my day to be reactive to incoming calls or questions from clients, real estate agents, or freed up my time to go spend time with them, go to their offices, stop by, because it really is a name recognition. And, you know, I put in that work now and it's reaped benefits today, you know, at pretty much everybody in our market knows my name and mm-hmm. my name on the bottom of a pre-approval letter means a whole lot more than most everybody else's. Sure. Yeah. And that's always good. I mean, we talked a little bit off before the recording, but, uh, you know, integrity, things like that go a long way, especially in the market. I mean, you know, it's a mortgage industry and like, while, you know, there's a lot of loan officers, it's also not, you know, the biggest business, especially when it comes to like people that actually produce, right? When we talk about like the Pareto's principle, it's that 80-20 rule, right? I mean, 20% of loan officers are the ones that are really bringing in 80% of the income, right? And so, yeah, you can do things to close more loans from a short-term perspective, which is like, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, just putting out pre-approvals and things like that, that may not hold a ton of weight, especially in a market like we're in now, right? Because like, it's funny, I just saw someone post the other day that, or actually today it might've been, they said that, oh, someone went into contract on a property and didn't even have a pre-approval yet. And there was a listing agent and a buyer's agent. Like, I don't think that would have happened six, eight months ago. Like there never would have been a chance where someone could put an offer in without a pre-approval letter. But now like people are starting to get desperate and they're, you know, starting to get a little bit lax. And I know one of the things you talked about is like really solidifying that process, making sure you educate. So talk a little bit about that, man. Like, what does that kind of process look like in terms of, you know, once someone comes to you, like, what are you kind of taking through? What's the journey for a buyer or, you know, even a refinance? Yeah. You know, so we use an online system questionnaire for basically 1003 data capture. And then we go back and verify everything. You know, we're not just pulling credit and taking somebody's word that they make a hundred thousand dollars a year and sending a pre-approval letter. Um, yeah. That's a slippery slope. You know, you have a couple of deals fall apart and impact a real estate agent's paycheck. It can get bad really quickly, especially when you're dealing with, you know, people's lives. Like this is the biggest financial decision they're going to make. Sure. This actually happened last week. A real estate agent had a client reach out to me. They were under contract to buy a new house. They've been pre-approved by somebody else. They were under contract to sell their current house. Turns out they should not have been pre-approved. And the buyer of their house would not let them out of the contract. So they're either going to have to break the contract and potentially get sued, or they're going to have to sell a house and not have a place to go right now. Ouch. So it's wow. uh, important to do the due diligence. And you can be good at sales and you know getting people in the door and what you're doing. But if you don't know the nuts and bolts of the products and do your due diligence up front, you can get people in some really bad situations. Yeah, it's important. I do think, you know, in a market like today, it is important to lead generate. And we just had someone on that we just talked about lead generate is really kind of your first priority. But that comes, in my opinion, after being good at being, you know, either have to be really good at the loan process, or you need to have someone on your team that's really good at the loan process. One of those two things have to be true. You know, and again, it doesn't have to be you, but it does have to be someone on the team that is, you know, basically able to take it, structure it, verify everything. Because yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, even for myself, like, you know, run a marketing agency and typically when people are new, I just say, if you're new, like you shouldn't run ads, you shouldn't get leads because you need to become a good loan officer before you start jumping into these waters of like talking to a bunch of strangers that don't know who you are. Like understand the product, understand all of the products. Cause I mean, with mortgage, like we both know there's whatever hundreds of different scenarios that can play out with tons of different product types, you know, whether you're talking conventional VA, govy, like there's all kinds of different you know, scenarios that, you know, if you don't have that understanding could fall apart. And we talked about, I mean, you just said that there's a, you know, a client that 
is probably going to be homeless. I've seen that before where someone like had already moved all their stuff. They were waiting to move in. The deal falls apart, like right on those last couple of days. And so obviously you can't stop every time that that happens because every once in a while, something will come up on like a cavers hit or something like that. But, you know, do you have like someone on the team that's kind of handling a lot of that stuff for you? Are you going out and mostly getting business or how do you kind of structure that in terms of like, you know, the setup in that process, right? Yeah. So Luke, you know, my wife, Ryan, you've guys done some work together in the past. And so we both put eyes on every pre-approval. So everybody that comes in the door, everybody we pre-approve, we both look at it. Okay. So I'll express concerns that I may have and she'll vice versa. And then we'll make a call to the client, just ask some questions around what our concerns may be, or maybe we don't have any, maybe she's, Hey, I just wanted to verify that, you know, you've been with your employer for four years. It looks like you're making, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year. Can you send us your most recent pay stub real quick? We just want to make sure that everything looks good there. And then we'll get you a pre-approval letter. But like you said, having somebody on your team, like if it's not you you need to have somebody on your team, that's really, you know, detail oriented and looking for those sure. things. And so for us, it's two sets of eyes on every pre-approval. Yeah. I love it, man. And now we can kind of maybe go back to what we talked about before. It's like, you know, there's something you guys are doing that's maybe different or, you know, obviously to be able to grow from, you know, 2018 to today and like, you know, being able to go from you know, basically you and a partner to, I think you said 16 people on the team. Right. And so what do you think has really driven the success over the years? And I mean, obviously closing as a brokerage, a thousand and two transactions. I think you mentioned 200 and something deals yourself, right? Like, what do you attribute that growth to? I guess is the right question. You know, we kind of touched on it earlier. I think it has a lot to do with reputation in the community and amongst the real estate agents. And we do a really good job with, you know, marketing a lot of that thanks to you from back when you were working with Ryan and, you know, we really pump out stuff on social media. We try not to be too in your face about it and do things, you know, when there's really actually something to add value. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that comes with education. You know, we will go through and do education with real estate agents about new loan programs or, you know, go through the contract. Like when we get a purchase agreement, what are we looking for? Like, what are the boxes that we need to make sure are checked? So, at the end of the day, like the client is ours and the client is the real estate agents as well. So if we're working sure. as, you know, a seamless team for the client, it just makes everything go a lot smoother and a lot easier. And when you make a real estate agent's life easier and deals go faster and smoother, they're going to keep sending you business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's what's sometimes so hard for people that are, you know, producers is like, what is it that you do different? People are like, I don't really do anything different. But then you kind of get into like the nuts and bolts and the weeds of what's going on. It's like they have great systems, they have processes, they're proactive. You know, so do you guys have any sort of proactive outreach or anything that you're doing in regards to, you know, conversations with your active clients, things like that? Or like, what's kind of that process look like in that regard? Yeah, so real estate agents and clients that are active get touches at least three times a week. That's you oh, wow. know, bare minimum about where we're at with the process. I mean, we keep a very good database. I have every client, their address, their interest rate, their loan amount, their credit score when we closed. I have all that back to 2013. So wow. we have a massive database that we have the ability to market to. And that's really what kind of propelled our success from the beginning because you know, COVID drove rates down. And then I had this huge database of, you know, a thousand or more than a thousand clients that I've worked with over the previous, you know, eight, nine years. And I still had a personal correction. I keep everybody's cell phone number in my cell phone. When they call me, I know their name. It's really just, you know, keeping up to date with your database, 
and all yeah. that stuff and personal touches, you know, everybody that we closed last year and then through the first part of the year that we're in, it's a handwritten Christmas card from us. And it's a lot of work and it takes weeks oh, to yeah. do and your hand cramps up, but it's little stuff like that that you just got to do to maintain, you know, top of mind. Sure. So are, are you doing those handwritten letters or is Ryan <laughs> supposed to do those? Um, she's probably doing 98% of them okay, and then she'll yeah. throw a couple my way if it's a, uh, you know. I was going to say, I don't know if my handwriting, you know, after writing, you know, a thousand letters would probably work very well. Um, my handwriting you know, is not, not legible. Not yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. If I write slowly, it would be okay. But then you kind of get a little, yeah, my wife would definitely help me a lot in that regard if I needed to do that. No, I love it. And you talk about touching three times. So I'll just kind of tell a little quick story about like my experience when I refinanced in 21 is, you know, someone who's been employed by a mortgage lender and now worked with lenders for the last whatever, five years. I mean, so over the last 10 years, pretty much I have been involved in the mortgage industry and I was like trying to figure out like what's going on. I had to proactively reach out to say, Hey, what's going on with my file. And obviously that's coming from someone who knows the industry knows like the pressure you were under in January of 21. Like, you know, how many people were doing refinances at the same exact time. Right. But my experience was that like, if I'm feeling like this, someone who's connected to the industry and understands the pressures, like what about the consumers that have never done this, or this is their first time doing this, or, you know, this is their experience that they get to see. And so many times people don't understand like, how important it is just to give updates that aren't updates, right? Like, hey, nothing has changed. You know, we're still in underwriting. Like, that's a perfect thing. Because like, sometimes you'll start to like create stories in your own head of like, they haven't reached out. Maybe the file's not going through. Maybe something like, and so understanding like being overly communicative is not a bad thing, which sounds like you guys, I mean, three times a week, like are you guys all calls or those like texts or calls or emails are kind of like a variation of things. You know, like it depends on what it is. Appraisal comes in, I'm going to call you. Hey, it's Tuesday. Don't really have a whole lot of information. Appraisals due on Thursday. That's going to be a text message. You know, you're going to have clients that want an update, you know, every six hours in some cases, sure. you know. Right, right, but, right. You know, we treat it as if a real estate agent or a client reaches out to us for an update, we failed. We are not doing our job. They should never have to reach out to us to ask us where we are or what's going on with something. That's huge, man. That's so huge. Because I mean, one that takes their time. So, and honestly, that's something that you can use as a selling proposition when you go to talk to a real estate agents. Like, hey, we actually are going to save you time because you're not going to have to call us and chase us down. Like, you know, we're going to basically tell you that if you're reaching out to us, we've failed, you know, unless it's like some random question. But like, you know, if it's like yeah. some question about an update on a loan, then you know, that's not a good thing. And I agree. I mean, I, you know, one of my favorite books in regards to customer service is never lose a customer again. And sort of the story he talks about in the book is that, you know, in the 70s, 80s, like customer service was like, hey, if the product arrives and it's not broken, like people are happy. Now we're in the era of like Amazon and, you know, things like that, where it's like, we expect two day shipping, right? So we've gone from, hey, customer service, like it is what it is to like, it's experience now you have to create an experience you know get a product from apple it's like beautifully you know wrapped in this box and like you know it's like all about presentation and so thinking about it from that perspective is like you know consumers have gotten i guess for lack of a better term spoiled by higher levels of customer service customer experience and so thinking that you can just treat this as like you know it is what it is i think is going to be a bad thing, especially now with the fact that like, you know, maybe you could get away with it the last couple of years when, you know, deals are falling from the sky. But as we're coming into this market, that's like, you know, rates are in the sevens or whatever they are right now. And there's just so many things that are happening that is reducing the amount of people that even qualify to buy a home. 
like this customer experience needs to be top notch, right? Like, yeah, this is when you're going to have to separate yourself. And I will admit the past couple of years with the way the market was and, you know, as busy as we were, I kind of got away from that. And there were some situations that maybe I didn't send an update in time and people reached out to me and I've really had to reset that over the past couple of months and really get back to the basics again, sure. you know, back to what we were doing in 2018 and 2019 and, you know, being out there, being available and really doing the work in the way that I look at it is if I'm not willing to do that work and give that level of customer service, then somebody else out there is, and they will eventually take that business from me. Oh, 100%. I do think that like the old way of just kind of like, you know, people don't shop and things like that, especially in a market like now, like people are going to shop you and like, yeah, like if you have a good experience and you have some good service, even if you're not the lowest rate, you may still keep that deal because you have shown that you're valuable, right? I mean, yeah, you don't want to be a freaking whole point off or something like that. But like, if you're pretty yeah. close on rate, you can probably keep a lot of people, but it has to come down to that experience and what they're actually getting and the value that you're providing. And that's huge. And you're right, man. It's like this slowdown, we can call it a slowdown has given that opportunity to reset and to start to go back to rebuilding those systems and processes and things like that. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of loan officers, like, man, I wish I would have kept doing this during that time. Like, like, wish what? Like, you, you we go back in time and work 24 hours instead of 19, like you were, you know, like there wasn't really any time for some of those things to happen. And while you wish you could do it, like now is the opportunity to, you know, regroup and hey, how do we improve our system? So as we're kind of going into this sort of, you know, we've been in this market, but like, what are you doing to sort of prepare or to continue to thrive or at least, you know, bring in good business during this time right now that it is a little slower and things are kind of happening at a kind of a slower pace? You know, you touched at it. It's an opportunity for us to relook at what we do and how we do it and the systems we use, how we are handling the client experience from the very first phone call or text message or email all the way through closing and what happens after closing, revisiting those things. And so, one thing that I am actively doing is, you know, I'm putting myself through that process. Like when was the last time that you logged in and filled out an application? Like you were right. going to get pre-approved. What's it look like for the client? What's the email look like? We need to set the right expectations with them at the very beginning, like the loan process, educate them about what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, because the best consumer is the informed consumer. So the more that we can inform and change how we do things up front, the easier the process is going to be. And I think sure. that's really going to set us apart, like you said, because clients are going to shop. So the more that we can do to make a bigger impact at the front end, the more likely we are to end up with that business. Yeah, it's funny. I made a post the other day about how online applications are the worst thing to happen to the mortgage industry. And really the reason I said that was less about the online application and more about the habits that have been created by a lot of people in the industry, especially over the last couple of years when deals were falling from the sky, right? Oh, just go fill out my application. But like the way I see it is it's not so much the tool that's the problem. It's those habits that have been created and not, in my opinion, the discovery process, the first call, whatever it is, even if it isn't taking the application over the phone, maybe you do still do the online app, but having that conversation is one of the most important pieces because like, that's where you can set yourself apart, right? I mean, the loan industry is like, yeah, sure. There's different rates little by a little bit here and there, but it's really a transactional thing. So like, how do you set yourself apart from every other loan officer? Well, most loan officers just come in and they're like, okay, well, we're just gonna put you in a 30 year fix. What's your credit score? And they just kind of take an application. 
But if you're able to have a conversation, understand their goals, their motivations, why they want to move, like that's going to set you apart because you're asking the questions and understanding like what is so significant about them buying a house and why is it so significant that they buy it now or refinance now? And then you're going to understand their picture, why they're doing things. And I think that is really why, you know, I brought that up because again, like technology, you know, even automation, like follow-up. So many times people rely on automated follow-up and don't do the manual calls. Like those are the types of things that are like, okay, cool. Like you can leverage automation, you can leverage online tools, but that doesn't take away the human element. And I know one of the things you guys have done really well is have that human element. So how do you kind of do that and still scale and still have kind of like the time? I mean, I'm assuming you have a pretty dialed in calendar and stuff like that. Yeah. So for me, you know, I do still have the online, you know, application, but I call it more of a questionnaire than an application. Sure. You know, if you were to reach out to me and say, Hey, Brad, I'm looking to buy a house. Okay, great. Do you have any initial questions? Have you been through the process before? Okay, cool. Like let's answer those questions, get those out of the way. The next thing I'll give them the option, you know, we can spend 15, 20 minutes on the phone and we can get all your information or I've got an online questionnaire set up. You can go in and fill that out. As soon as you get it done, I'm going to take a look at it and then I'm going to text you. So as I'm done looking at it, I'm going to text you and then we're going to set up a time to call and then we're going to talk through all that information. I'm going to have some questions for you. They're probably going to trigger questions for me and then we're just going to talk through it and see what that looks like. So mm -hmm. I'm not completely just relying on the online application. Sure. That's more of a starting point to start the yep. conversation sure, than sure. really just relying on that information. That sets up the phone call. So I've yep. got more information going in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's, again, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with technology. I just, as a marketer, I had to create some controversy, obviously. I get what you're saying. When I used to do the phone applications, it seemed, you know, you eliminate a lot of variables and, you know, people are less likely to maybe fudge some numbers or whatever it may be, or maybe they just don't know, you know, a lot of people confuse gross and net. And so you can, right. in a phone right. application, you can explain what that is while you're, you know, talking to them. Yeah, I just think like when it's a referral, you can get away with it, right? If it's someone who doesn't know who you are, I just think that first interaction is such a valuable opportunity to create one, a relationship, but then also to stand out from everybody else. Plus, like they're less likely to shop if they spend 30, 45 minutes with you. They're like not going to go want to spend another 30 to 45 minutes with someone else, you know, yeah. because they've already done that. Right. And so nothing wrong with it. It just comes down to like, are you still understanding like what their goals and motivations are? Because if you can get that in a different way, it is what it is. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter, but I do think it does matter and why someone like you, you do go above and beyond. I will say I am way more likely to do a phone, like an application over the phone. If it's like one of our website leads or sure. somebody reaches out randomly on Facebook or something along those lines, I'm way more likely to do an application with them on the phone right then and there sure. than I am to send them to the website. Yeah. Again, to me, it's just preference, obviously working with lots of loan officers over the last couple of years. There's been people that have seen massive success with just sending an app, but guess what? They spent 45 minutes with the client before they sent the online app. Right. But then yeah. there's people that spend five minutes on a phone call and then send an app and the person doesn't fill it out. And they're like, Hey, like, you know, this person didn't fill it out. It's like, well, you know, you didn't do your job. So I love it that like, there's so many ways to do business. And so I do think that, you know, we talked a little bit off air or whatever, but like when it comes to like attracting more realtors and things like that, we've talked a bit about how you do education. Like what is like sort of the process that you kind of do? Is that something you're doing actively right now? Or has that kind of been something you've done in the past or what's kind of your process now for attracting more agents? 
Yeah, we're actively doing it now. You know, there's certain, you know, the real estate offices around town and being in the business for as long as I have, you know, I know the people that put together the trainings and all that stuff. And so if I've got something I feel like is worthwhile, I'll reach out to all of them and say, hey, you know, we've got this, you know, new shiny thing that I think that really would help your agents out and, you know, get some more deals closed. When's a good time to come in and chat? And they usually just throw us in the 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of a meeting or whatever it may be. We do quite a bit of that. And, you know, we have done some training in our offices or in our specific office as well. Sure. Anytime you can get agents to come to you, that's a good thing. They see and like your office and all that. But, you know, anything from teaching them, you know, general high level mortgage guidelines, products, or really, you know, what is a lender looking for in a purchase agreement? Like, what are the things that we're after? What are the boxes that we want to make sure that are checked or you sure. know, whatever the case may be, or, you know, if there's a hot tub out back that you're trying to write into the contract, maybe leave it off what we see. Yeah, right. Yeah. You can't give the hot tub. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry guys. Don't cause us issues. Yeah. Just like don't submit extra stuff to underwriting if they don't need it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. You know, and I think it, that it's really about helping agents grow their business. The more yes. tools and the more things that you can give the agents, the more things you can put in their toolbox, the more successful they will be. And then they won't forget it. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it comes down to, I mean, we actually just did a training the other week about like, what is value? Like, cause like, you know, everybody always says like, oh yeah, you got to give value to your real estate agents. But like, then when you talk to loan officers, you're like, okay, well, what's your value proposition? Like, oh, well, I pick up the phone. I answer on the weekends. Like they basically say what every other loan officer says, which is basically, hey, I do my job. Like, okay, cool. But like, that's not really value. Like that's just the minimum required things that you have to have to like keep the business that you already have. But like, how do you actually bring value? And it's like, all right, well, you need to think about how can you actually bring value to the agent? It doesn't mean you have to give them leads or pre-approvals, but how are you helping them grow their business, save time? And you have to think about it from like, how do you build that unique value proposition? What is it that makes you different or better than everybody else that's reaching out to a real estate agent? Because again, I mean, right now, every loan officer that refis over the last couple of years is calling agents. Every loan officer that even purchases over the last couple of years is calling agents. Everybody's calling agents, right? And they're not even doing business. So how do you stand out? And obviously, you know, you've kind of figured that out. But like when you do talk to an agent, like how do you show them that you're different or a lot of the people you're working with, people already know you or like kind of how does that work? I would say that, you know, a couple of things that really set us apart is our access to products. There's not really anything that we don't have access to. So sure. a client comes in the door there. If a client can get approved, we probably have the ability to get them approved. Sure. So that is a big thing for us. The communication, and like I said, reputation that precedes us and the Kentucky and a mortgage name, which has taken us a long time to build. I wouldn't say there's like, something new and flashy that we've started doing in the past like month or two since this little shift in the market that, sure. you know, is going to change anything. And in our industry, it's a relationship business and there's nothing that you're going right. to do overnight. It's the consistency over and over again and yeah. really taking charge. The more that you can take control of the process from start to finish and really be the quarterback. So we really kind of look at ourselves as the quarterback of the transaction from if the inspection goes well, okay, good. We're moving forward. Appraisal, title work, we handle all that. We take scheduled and closing off the buyer's and seller's agent's plate. So we spearhead closing, scheduling with the title company, getting final numbers to everybody. We take control of that. Like you said, you said it perfectly. The more time that you can give back to the agent and the less stressed they are about any given deal, the better they're going to be at their job. 
Yeah. And I completely agree. And, you know, even you said, well, we don't really do anything crazy. And then you went on to say that, like you do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so it's funny because that tends to happen when I kind of sometimes do these podcasts, like when you haven't thought about it, you're like, okay, well, like, there's a reason why you guys closed a thousand deals last year, right? Like you don't just like wake up and close a thousand deals, you know? And so a lot of times it's hard to kind of understand like what those things are, but it comes down to like one, you already mentioned it, like you're communicating, I mean, three times a week on average with these people, right? So like that right there is like, hey, like we're going to save you time because we're going to call you every Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to call you with an update. We're going to text you with an update. You don't have to worry about that. Guess what? You can spend that extra time that you're following up with all your other lenders that suck, you know, and that's, you know, some of that value. And then obviously like, hey, you don't have to worry about setting up closing. We'll set up all that stuff. We have a team that handles that specifically. Like that's all time that, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, time is money to them, right? Like, what can they do with that extra time? And if you can buy back their time, you know, or at least showcase how you can, that's going to, you know, set you apart a lot of times. Because again, most people are going into these calls and saying, oh, well, I have this, that, and the other. And like, it sounds like everybody else, right? It sounds like everybody else, even if you have the best product in the world. So I do love that, you know, you talked about that, right? Like, hey, we take all of this stuff off your place. You don't have to worry about it. What can you do with those extra hours? You go get another deal. You can hang out with your family. You can, you know, do a lot of things, right? You know, another thing that I don't know, and some of this stuff I kind of just assume that everybody is doing, but maybe everybody is not doing them. And no. so something else Trust that me. we, that we really, <laughs> Trust me, that they're we not. really take on is it's either, yes, you're pre-approved, you're good to go, or if you're not pre-approved right now, let's take the steps to get you pre-approved. And depending on the client giving you some sort of permission or explicitly on what you can share with the real estate agent or the referral source, whatever it may be, like I'll go back to, you know, Hey, John, real estate agent, you know, it doesn't look like we can get Luke approved right now. He's going to take care of a couple of things. We're going to revisit this in 45 to 60 days. Why don't you go ahead and put it on your calendar to follow up with him as well? And then he's on my calendar to follow up with as well. And so it's not a deal right now, but it seems like in probably, you know, two months, we're going to be looking at getting him out there house shopping. So yeah, that's awesome. The agent or the referral source or whatever it may be always knows they're not pre-approved some sort of timeline. And then... I'll have them reach out to the client if the client's willing to share with them details or get explicit consent to share. You know, I will never say a credit score or anything specific, but hey, we're going to get a few things taken care of that were on the credit report and, you know, whatever kind of some general information. But that way they know because we're not closing deals in the next 30 days, but we're building a pipeline for next year. I love it, man. And I think especially over the last couple of years, there has been a little bit of that, like, if they're not ready to buy today, like they just kind of get thrown in the garbage, right? Which one is super unfortunate for the consumer because like, you know, that's like their experience in the industry is like, well, I wasn't ready to buy, so I'm not worth their time type of idea. I and mean, obviously they have to be serious because you can get stuck like talking with people that aren't serious and really aren't going to do things that are required. But I think the little bit of extra attention goes a long way in regards to those people coming back around and then potentially then referring you business down the road. So I do think that's a massive, massive way. And what I love is that you could easily just say that and then just you follow up with the person after 45 days. But I think by saying, hey, go ahead and put it on your calendar, you should follow up too. It's like, all right, here's another sort of piece of value that I'm giving you. Like, this is a prospect that can come back around and I want to brand you to this prospect. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe in 45, 60 days, they're like, well, I got my stuff ready, but this other person just reached out to me. Right. So maybe I'll just go with them instead. It's such an easy thing to have an Excel spreadsheet or a Google doc. And every time you pull credit or try to pre-approve somebody, you throw them in there and say, you know, 1019 credit looks good shopping 200,000. It's probably going to be conventional or, you know, credit score was a little low working on getting some credit cards paid down or, They've been self-employed for, you know, 
20 months, as soon as 2022 taxes are done, we're going to be revisiting this or whatever, and just put some notes and with every single sure. one of them, it takes 10 seconds. And then, you know, you got an hour to kill and a lot of free time right now, go back and look at the list and say, oh, I talked to them. That was 30 days ago. I need to reach back out or whatever. Yep. It's just touch points. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And again, like, you know, it's this concept I was just talking with someone yesterday. I was like, I just assume everybody knows this. I'm like, that's called the curse of knowledge, right? Like, that's like, you know, and it's the same thing I kind of deal with in terms of like marketing. I start talking about pixels and segmenting traffic and all this kind of crazy stuff. And loan officers like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. And so understanding that, like, you know, how do we simplify these processes, but also that like, some of the best ways you can grow your business is just doing those fundamentals. You talked about having a database. I don't know how many loan officers I've talked to that don't have a database. Like, and so, you know, we had a guy that basically said, if you don't market to your database, they're no longer your clients, basically. Like someone else is going to market to them and pull that. And I'll even say like the real estate agents I used in 2015, I think he's maybe sent me a couple of emails, but like, that's it. Cool. Like yeah. you can use automation. That's the problem with only using automation too, right? It's like, you should be calling. You should be like having conversations and stuff like that. Cause like, I'll just use whoever whenever I buy a house again, right? Like there's no reason to use that same person, yeah. right? If you're not going to market to them, I am. Yeah, someone will. Yeah, exactly. And I'll find someone, someone who's going to do that. So to kind of like wrap things up, man, I usually like to leave it with some sort of tangible strategy or tactic someone can kind of take and grow. So like, let's say you were going to start over today. Like what would you go out there and do to go attract business? Like what would you go out today and get business? So if I was starting over today, I think that I would start with my local real estate association. So find who those are and find out, you know, who the decision makers are, where the offices are located, who's the agents, who's the gatekeepers, and spend some time. You know, it's, you know, name recognition and branding is what you need in this market. Add them on Facebook, Instagram, follow, comment you know, do those things to make your name known and top of mind, even if it takes six months to a year for them to, you know, agree to spend some time with you and learn from you or you learn from them. I think that's the key. There's no overnight thing. Like I said earlier, it's just consistency and doing everything that you have to do on a daily basis. And right now it's a grind and it's going to be a grind for the foreseeable future. Now that we sit here in, you know, October of 2022 and, Sure. I don't know. It's going to be challenging, but it's also like we talked about, it's an opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that because it's true. And it's funny because like I even said, like as a marketer, like I always tell new loan officers, unfortunately, you're going to have to do the grind. Like the first year you really should be cold calling real estate agents, going to all these things. Like I wish there was a sexy answer to like, here's how you're going to grow your business. But the truth is you just have to grind. Like, you know, you have to send, you know, emails and stuff like that. Like when I started my business, cold emails, Facebook, organic, cold calling. Like I didn't run ads for the first probably two years of me being a marketing agency, you know? And so to me, it's like, one, it's just valuable too, because you learn valuable skills and you get rejected a whole lot. And I think that just gives you much thicker skin, but you're learning throughout this process. So I do love it. And it does take time. I was just had a guy on, he spent six months going to, I think he was talking to hundred real estate agents a week in six months, he closed two deals, but that was like a couple of years back. And then he says within the next 12 months after that. So within that 18 month period, he ended up closing like 150 deals. Right. And, yeah. and he really attributed a lot of that to that sort of like six months of just grinding and it's going to suck. It's going to feel like you're not, you know, making progress. And we're in a market where it's even going to be harder. You're going to have to grind even harder to see the results you're looking for, but it's going to pay off if you're willing to put in the work long enough. Right. I do love that. Yeah. You know, when we started Kentucky and a mortgage group, I had been in the business for a while. At that point I was switching to, okay, how do we market and how do I fill these voids that I'm not the best at? And that's kind of how sure. you and I met, you know, reaching out to you with the 
loans on demand and what you were doing. And you educated me on the pixel and targeting and like right, all this right. stuff. But I honestly just had no idea. Like you were speaking a foreign language to me, but I needed to learn that stuff. And so finding the people that are the experts in the stuff that you are not that good at and right. learning from them. And, you know, Ryan and I learned a lot from you and some other experts in the industry. And it's really sure. changed the way we do things. Yeah, it's huge too. I think that's something that, you know, so many times people have that mindset that they shouldn't have to invest or like, you know, well, everything's available for free on YouTube. And it's like, yeah, sure. Like it is available for free, but like, which is going to be right for you? Like you can figure anything out that you want, but it's probably going to take you a whole lot longer to figure it out by yourself than it is if you don't invest in yourself. I'm a big fan. I've always invested heavily in my personal development because I do believe that like we're the best investment you can possibly make. Like you can't put, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in an S and P 500 or whatever. Like if you do that to, and invest it in yourself, like you're going to make a whole lot more money than if you just dropped it in something like that. Right. So I do always think it's worth it. So, I mean, just to kind of recap and wrap things up, like to me, like the biggest takeaways that I get kind of from having this conversation with you is like, you have tried as much as possible to simplify a complex process and doing that in a way that's like, all right, well, let's try to get this as streamlined as possible. Simplify, you know, from the standpoint of like, it might not be simple within what you're doing, but like to the people that are working with you, whether it be real estate agents or consumers, like it feels probably like a much simpler process because of the way you've set it up. So for anybody who's listening, like think about like, what does that client journey look like? Think about what is it that they're experiencing, especially now that's an opportunity for you to revamp your processes to understand like, okay, what is their journey looking like and how do we make it better? How do we have more touches? How do we make it so that they feel like they're never going to use another person again because of the experience they received. That was huge for me. And then obviously, you know, you talk about consistency and just doing the things over and over and over again. And sometimes it sucks, right? You know, like going out there and having to grind. It is what it is. Like that's just the market we're in. You know, if you're getting started now, just know it's going to be hard. Even if you're in the industry now and you've been for a while, it's going to be hard. I've talked to a lot of loan officers that have done a ton of production over the last couple of years and everybody's kind of in the same boat. I mean, you know, production's down. It is what it is. But the way you approach it is going to make a big difference in terms of everything. So if someone wanted to connect with you, learn a little bit more about you or anything like that, is there anywhere that they could find you online? Yeah, so Brad C, not a super common name, but KYINmortgage.com is our company website. Got an about page about me and links to social media and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's probably the easiest way. Find me on LinkedIn or Facebook, send me a message, go to our website, learn a little bit about us and what we do and how we do it. And, you know, I appreciate you having me on. And, yeah. you know, like I said, sometimes I don't realize that I'm doing something, you know, a lot different than what somebody else is. And yeah. Yeah, but we've enjoyed a lot of success. It's been a great couple of years since we opened the doors and hopefully that continues. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of those things. I mean, even with like, uh, you know, super good salespeople, a lot of times it's hard for them to kind of understand what they're doing until you kind of break it down to the fundamentals. And at the end of the day, it comes down to that. It's mostly fundamentals. So it feels like everybody should know it. But, you know, just after talking with so many people, so many people don't see it that way or they just don't create the processes because, I mean, again, loan officers, you know, most of the time we're very entrepreneurial type of like mindset, which means details are not typically our strong suit. And so, you know, it comes down to you almost have to create skills that are not typically natural. And, you know, that's not going to be a blanket statement because there's going to be super, you know, people that are very detail oriented because it is loans and you do have to look at numbers and all that kind of fun stuff. But I think that the times of it being super like that is kind of going away. And a lot of the people that are coming in are a lot more like, you know, entrepreneurial. So, you know, it's huge. So, yeah, I mean, again, man, I appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Obviously, we've you know known each other for a while and, you know, 
I know you just got to also go watch the Liverpool game, which is pretty cool to see <laughs> also, man. So uh, that was yeah. exciting. Seeing a soccer game in Europe is a very different experience to uh, any sports that you see here, I'm sure. So uh, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was cool. Awesome. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for help flipping the status quo on real estate agents, putting you in the driver's seat, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Learn a little bit more about what we do to help loan officers flip the status quo. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.